Hello there. Okay, we're rolling. Hi, everybody. This is the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matthew. I would like to welcome you all to September, or as I like to call it, October's Eve. My favorite time of year isn't just on the way, it is here. Halloween is really giving Christmas a run for its money with how it's slowly infecting the weeks and months leading up to the holiday. September is a month is barely even an identity, right? It's 30 days of spooky foreplay to get us all nice and moist so October can ease its pumpkin spice flavored vampire bat shaped skull and crossbones right into our willing everythings all the way up to that magical day when apparently it's okay for children to take candy from strangers. The season officially starts when stores put out all their Halloween shit and Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I can finally go home decor shopping. And last week, that's exactly what we did. First, we hit all those normal arts and crafts places and you could see the old ladies working at the register as we walked in. They're like, ah, shit, here come the goths. We're not like hardcore goths or anything like that. We're not rolling up with Stein's clown white makeup caked on our bodies with pentagrams dangling like wind chimes singing boys don't cry, but we do make a statement. And that statement is, we'll stop wearing black when they make a darker color. We stopped at a whole handful of places and ended up spending what fans of the movie Pretty Woman would call an obscene amount of money. And I don't mean profane, I mean really offensive. We legit got so much stuff I have no idea where we are going to put it. Our walls are already covered to the max. We're going to have to redo a bunch of stuff. I'm excited, but also a little bit terrified. Something we were actually talking about that we noticed over the last couple of years is that those wholesome little old lady at the counter arts and craft stores are outdoing the purpose-built Halloween stores for bitchin' decor. All right, let's get on with it. The first thing that I wanted to jump into this week is an example of medium pimpin', which is something I've talked about the last couple of episodes, and I had asked you guys to send in your examples of that, which medium pimpin' is like, it's just living the best version of the life that you have in front of you. And I've gotten a few submissions, so I'm going to be reading them over the next couple of weeks. This first one is great and that's why i want to lead off with it so medium pimpin example one quote taking massive bong rips as i put on a full face of makeup for absolutely no reason at all then getting in my stupid little car and driving to mcdonald's to get a diet dr pepper end quote i love it it's beautiful it's simple and i've got more on the way over the next few weeks, you guys. So please send me in your examples of medium pimping in your life. So far, all of the ones that I've gotten have been from women. Fellas, it is time to step up to the plate. Send me an email, slide into my DMs, Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram at Atomic Skull Podcast. Let me know your examples of medium pimping. I'm going to be reading them. I've loved all the ones that I've gotten so far, and I hope to be getting a few more. Now, before we move on, I have one thing. What 
in the Chris Hansen was going on in House of Dragons this last week. That episode was a Jeffrey Epstein wet freaking dream. If you haven't seen the show yet, I will not be going into detail about that scene, mostly because I don't want to relive it in my head. The good slash bad slash good thing, I guess, is the scene was only dialogue, but that did not make it any easier to watch. As tough as it was to watch, the first thing I thought about, I mean, besides how many Epstein jokes I was going to throw in when I inevitably brought this up, was how tough it must have been to film. I understand that there's money involved, but the amount of heebie-jeebies on set must have been immeasurable. All right, I've got more stuff on this, but I can't even talk about this anymore. Before I forget, the word of the week is teledildonics. (laughs) And that might be the most fun word I have gotten to say in forever. It is a name that is coined for using basically technology-flavored dildos as opposed to old-fashioned ones. I feel like Rule 34 has found its way out of the metaverse and into our sexual reality. The sheer number of Bluetooth-related naughties is outstanding, and I am here for it. The only issue I have is when I think about how annoying it is to pair up a new speaker to my phone or when my phone drops a connection during a particularly inopportune moment. Ain't nothing sexy about that. I can't even remember, now that I'm thinking about it, the last time I've been to any kind of adult-oriented store. I remember forever ago, I went to a legit fetish shop in San Francisco with my best friend at the time. He was gay, and we both had just gotten our tax returns, so we took a trip up to the city, and he ended up spending $600 there. I'll never forget that. It was freaking hysterical. When he was checking out, he picked out a butt plug that was so big, the cashier actually looked at him and said, are you sure? That's never a question that you want the cashier in an adult store to ask you. That question should immediately put you on some kind of like sex offender registry. On the way out, I saw a device, you guys, that changed my life. And I don't know if it was for the better. I'm going to describe it to you because I shouldn't have to suffer alone. And I want you to picture it because there is no way in hell I am going to post it on Instagram. People think I'm weird enough, and I wouldn't even know what to call it. So here's what it was. It was a toilet seat, okay? And attached to the toilet seat were four springs. Think of like the springs on a trampoline, okay? So there's four springs coming out of the side of the toilet seat that attach to these bars on the outside of it that made like a rectangle around the toilet seat. So you got the toilet seat with the springs and then the bars and all of that was attached to like these legs that lifted the toilet seat with the bars and the springs probably about 10 inches off the ground, something like that. If you can picture all that, my friend explained to me what it was used for and then went and bought me lunch. It was one of the more educational afternoons of my life. And if you don't know what it's used for, Google it because I am absolutely not going to be explaining it to you. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Music, this is it. Part four, The Voyage Home. This is gonna be 
my fucking Jerry Lewis telethon. I'm starting it early because I want to make sure we get to everything. And watch your feet because I'm going to be dropping more names. I'm going to do a little bitching. I'm going to answer some questions that you guys have asked me. I'm going to do it all out here today. Now, before I pick up the ball and run this in, shit, did I actually just make a sports reference? I am so sorry. Apologies all around, all right? I want to take a minute to talk about Prince. Prince is everything. He has been one of my all-time favorite artists from a very, very young age. There was nothing that man couldn't do. He had his hands in rock, funk, soul, jazz, R&B, hip-hop. He's one of those where I couldn't even begin to choose my favorite songs of his. He had the best and sexiest halftime show in Super Bowl history, and I will not be taking any questions. And if you have any doubt of that man's talent, swagger, and larger-than-life presence, despite the fact that he was like five foot nothing, move your big ass around this way to YouTube and look up Rock and Roll Hall of Fame While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Here is what happened. So if you've never watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony, they induct all of these old guys into the Hall of Fame. And then each band and artist, they play their biggest songs one at a time. And then they do their acceptance speech. And then at the very end of the night, all of them come back and do one big jam of, you know, maybe like the most famous song from the most famous artist that was inducted that year. This particular year was Prince was inducted, Tom Petty was inducted, George Harrison was inducted uh, from the Beatles, but he was inducted as a solo artist. So the last song that everybody jammed on was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And Prince didn't sing, didn't do anything. Tom Petty sang it and uh, Jeff Lynne from ELO sang it, but Prince did the guitar solo at the end of the song and it is bar none the best motherfucking solo i have ever seen and heard in my entire life prince said he had never heard that song before and it's the fucking Beatles. I'm not sure if I believe that but also he's such a weird motherfucker that i'm not entirely sure i don't And also, if you do watch that video, and I hope you do, I want his outfit. All right, where do we leave off from last time? So I was the manager at a music store in a small town in Arizona, and I got paid to talk to people about music for a living. If heaven exists for me, that would be pretty damn close to it. Now, I do remember a few customer stories that I jotted down and I wanted to bring up. I had a customer get mad at me because the stones weren't under S. Think about that for a minute if you know that band. So the band is actually the Rolling Stones. And when I explained to him that the Rolling Stones would be under the letter R, he said to me, and I quote, because I will never forget this, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. 
all right that was something that he never by the way he never looked like he never even looked under r like as soon as i told him that the stones weren't under s and they were under r he you know gave me a little business and then he left i i was probably embarrassed because he didn't know the freaking alphabet that was something that happened to me a lot at that job. I had old people shame me for not knowing enough old music and then kids shame me for not knowing enough young music. I remember in one day, you guys, one shift, I had an old man, and I mean like a Confederate money old man, literally laugh at my face I because I didn't know who Gene Crippa was. And then I had some young emo-looking turd give me shit because I wasn't familiar with scary kids scaring kids. You can't fucking win with people, man. So Valentine's Day was always fun because people would come in to find a CD with the right kind of music that they wanted to get down to. I remember there was a young lady who came in, and I didn't know this person. She just tells me, she opens with telling me that she was finally going to do butt stuff for her boyfriend and wanted the right CD of songs specifically for that. I guess I just have one of those faces where people like to overshare. No complaints here, it just gives me good stories to tell you guys. I tried recommending a few things, but she ended up just getting Marvin Gaye which is fine. I love Marvin Gaye, but I'm more of like a what's going on, trouble man, ain't no mountain high enough Marvin Gaye fan. I feel like hearing let's get it on while actually getting it on is kind of like eating pasta while watching Gordon Ramsay make pasta. It's too on the nose. Hashtag food metaphor, by the way, and it's gonna have friends. That is a piss poor segue into a question that I was asked by someone who listens to the show. Thank you very much. What kind of music gets me in the mood? So, good question. Rarely do songs about actually doing the dirty get me going. I always try to find more of like a vibe in the sound. So, well, also, it does kind of depend on the type of evening that I want to have. It could be The Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen could be Lies by the Black Keys, it could be Since I've Been Loving You by Led Zeppelin, and the list goes on. Wow, this is a very sexually charged show today. That's what happens when I know I'm going to be talking about Prince. He is a sexy motherfucker. Back to the customers at the music store, I would get a lot of requests for recommendations for like wedding songs, first dance songs, funeral songs, proposal things, romance, different kind of events, stuff like that. And that is a big, hairy responsibility, but I was up to that challenge and I got it right a lot of the time. I actually had customers that would come back and thank me and give me a hug, which was actually pretty sweet. My favorite part of the job was I started building a reputation for being the guy who could tell you a song just by a few lyrics or humming some of the song to me. And I loved that so much. Very rarely did I miss with that, if I can be a little cocky for just a second. But also, it isn't like there were a lot of deep cuts, you know what I mean? Like, I remember there was somebody who came in and asked me about a song that ended up being fucking Sweet Home Alabama. Are you kidding me? You know, whatever. There were a few songs that I missed 
that still haunt me to this day. But customers would come in again and again, or even for the first time, and would have heard about me, and they would specifically seek me out to help them figure out a song, which was awesome. They told me, I got, I heard so many times that I reminded people of John Cusack from High Fidelity, which is mostly a compliment. I became a very, very, very minimally pathetic low-level celebrity in this tiny town for being able to name songs. I guess there's worse things to be known for. Google John Wayne Bobbitt. At one point, I started having specifically older ladies coming in asking for a CD by some dude I had never heard of. At first, I didn't really pay much attention because, you know, older ladies. I couldn't possibly have that much in common with them, I hope. But they kept coming in and they kept asking for him. And then I finally caved in and popped open one of his CDs to play in the store. And God help me. I fell in total pathetic love with this young Canadian singer named Michael Buble. <laughs> uh, I have no excuses. I have no justifications. I have no shame. He is awesome. He is an insanely good singer. He is funny. He is charismatic. And he is a total cutie patootie. And the affair never ended, you guys. I am seeing him in concert this month for the fifth time. I don't care. I am grateful for Michael Buble because he opened up standards into my life. This is very important. Before him, I kind of thought standards were a little bit bland music-wise. But if you remember last episode, thank you for listening if you did, I was bored of rock music and kind of in the market for anything. So I took a pretty giant leap backwards, way backwards. And it started and ended with Sinatra. Everything about Sinatra, I felt like was the piece of my musical mood that I had been missing so far. He had this incredible world-weary voice that could bring me to the highest of highs, like fly me to the moon and I'm gonna live till I die, but also like the lowest of lows, like full moon and empty arms and angel eyes. And then I pretty much just did what I do. Right around that time, Jamie Foxx killed as Ray Charles in that movie, and I jumped into everything Brother Ray did, specifically with Atlantic Records, and that got me into Chess Records, and then Motown, and Stax Records. I'm not going to give you the list of people, because that one would literally exhaust you. But along with Sinatra and Brother Ray, I jumped into Roy Orbison, and then finally took a deeper dive into Elvis Presley. I hit some Otis Redding, Jackie Wilson, and James Brown, back into some older blues, shit like that. I feel like I found a lot of flavor in that music. Back when it was new and everyone was putting their own spin on a particular sound as opposed to copying what other people were doing. I did the whole music manager gig for like five years. And somewhere in there, I guess I sort of got old. Not that I really got old necessarily, but I realized how much music is a young person's game. Out of nowhere, I started thinking, damn kids and their music, and I didn't like that feeling, but I couldn't help myself. The first band that I actively thought that about was Fall Out Boy. At first, 
I didn't like them or the kids who came in to get their music. It was definitely a get off my lawn kind of moment for me. But I realized the problem wasn't the kids or their music. The problem was me. I was just being a dick about it because it wasn't the same as the shit I was listening to when I was that age. And I didn't want to be that guy. So I got one of their CDs and God help me, I liked them. I even have a song lyric of theirs tattooed on my arm. That's another thing that I like that should probably be a guilty pleasure, but I have absolutely no shame about it. Now let me say a few words to the old people here. I'm talking specifically about the geriatric fuckers who post memes on their socials about how new music is shit because it isn't your music from when you were a kid. This is for you guys. Hey there, fella or ma'am. That's right, ma'am. How are you today? Have you been getting enough fiber? Has your knee done that weird thing today yet where it hurts until it magically pops and then feels better? Listen, I want to tell you that the new music that's out right now isn't the problem. It's you. You're the problem. Music is one of those things that is always moving forward, which is what we are all supposed to do. So don't get mad at something you love because you refuse to evolve with it. It is possible to love the old shit you grew up with and the new shit that young people enjoy. Maybe you think that whole song about WAPs is offensive. That's fine. But that doesn't mean every song out right now is about WAPs. So stop being an asshole, fix yourself a soup and half a sandwich, and realize that the kids are all right. And that whole thing I just did is the same conversation I had to have with myself. I kind of went backwards with my taste in music. As the years evolved, the shit I listened to got older and older. It's alright to not like stuff, but it isn't bad just because it's new. It was an important lesson to learn, and it opened me up to like a whole bunch of new shit that I would have never listened to otherwise. And then the adverse of that is there's always going to be something that brings the kids back to the things that old people listen to. Another question that I got asked was about Metallica and Stranger Things. Fuck anyone who gatekeeps Metallica and talks about how much of a sin that it is to only like them now. Isn't it kind of amazing that kids are getting into them at all? In 2022, Master of Puppets became the number one song on iTunes. That is fucking incredible. Not only is that my favorite metal song of all time, but that's one of my favorite songs of all time. It is six minutes of pure fucking thrash with a beautiful, slow, melodic breakdown in the middle. And you know what was just like that 15 years ago? Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero got massive. And all of a sudden, I remember teenage kids coming in and asking me for Fog Hat and Twisted Sister CDs. That was a trip. There is always going to be something that brings music back. Every generation is going to know shit by the Beatles or words to Bohemian Rhapsody. As much as music is always evolving and moving, it's also always timeless. It's one of the reasons that it means so much to me. I left my music manager job right around the time that CDs started dying a horrible death. That store is long closed by now. Music was moving on to the next thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. All you can do is hope you don't have to buy another copy of Dark Side of the Moon, right? There was this guy that I worked with at the music store who could go toe-to-toe with me on a lot of old rock and rap shit. He's one of the sweetest guys I've ever known, but he liked something that I had never gotten into. Punk. 
and I don't mean the Blink-182, Good Charlotte, Sum 41 type of shit. He liked the real stuff. I tend to like my shit melodic, so I never really got into punk music, but I did ask him to burn me a CD with some of the real stuff. My dude understood the assignment, and he went all the way. Minor Threat, The Sex Pistols, UK Subs, Black Flag, The Talking Heads, Velvet Underground, Bad Brains, The Circle Jerks, and then two that would become my all-time favorites, The Clash and The Ramones. I remember listening to that CD as I literally drove out of town to move, and it created that CBGB umfug attitude in me. The Ramones could pack more punch into a two and a half minute song than most bands could in five. Pairing that with this amazing emotional story that I saw Henry Rollins tell about a punk band called The Ruts, and I realized how much heart even that music could have. And that brings me to a lesson about music I learned the fun way, and I would recommend that you also learn the fun way. Don't sleep on the music tastes of the people around you. Don't assume that people who are younger don't know music enough or that people who are older only like boring shit. Spend time listening to their music. Just like any other new perspective, you'll learn something new and that can never be bad. Just alone from the women I've dated, I've gotten into shit like Muse, Lacuna Coil, Fleetwood Mac, Ingrid Michaelson, Ben Folds, Cannibal Corpse, the Gaslight Anthem, the list goes on. Even meeting my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, we wouldn't be together if it wasn't for music. Our first date, we met for coffee, just basic coffee. We ended up talking about music for four fucking hours. She knew as many Boston songs as I did. She knew more Blue Oyster Cult than I did. She'd seen Rush a half a dozen times to my zero, and my penis was like, huh? What? What? Oh my God, Jesus, you guys. Her mom, her dad, and her younger brother all listen to this every week. Excuse me while I go die for a second. Hey, editing Matthew, can you help me out here? Do me a solid, maybe take that out? No? Oh my god, please send help. (laughs) And that brings us to now. I actually have a few of my proudest musical moments that are a little bit more on the recent side. I accidentally got in on the ground floor with some new artists that I got to hear and I bragged about them way before most people had heard of them and that made me feel way smarter and way younger than I actually am. So three of the biggest success stories there, so I seem a little youthful to you guys. First was Childish Gambino. I love Community. That is one of my favorite TV shows and Donald Glover clearly is the breakout star in that show. He had a comedy special, a stand-up comedy special called Weirdo, and I also found out that he did rap music, and his first album, Camp, is phenomenal. There are so many good songs in it. All the Shine, I've got lyrics tattooed from All the Shine on my shoulder, Heartbeats, Uh, That Power and then obviously Bonfire are all amazing. I got to talk about Childish Gambino before he got really, really big and blew up. And that made me feel pretty freaking cool. The next one is The Weeknd. I live The Weeknd. The Weeknd is about as close to Prince as we're ever going to get as far as sexy music. I listened to him way, way back when he was still called Abel. 
And uh, during the trilogy, if any old school weekend fans know, he did a cover of Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson that is hot. There's a song off that same album called Outside, which I don't think he does live anymore, but whole shit, that song is pure sex. I would put it up against Blinding Lights as one of his best. Now, there was another artist that I remember reading about somewhere. It could have been Rolling Stone. I don't know where it was, but I remember seeing something I had never seen before. It was this beautiful, thick black woman, naked, playing a flute. And I was enamored. I was like, holy shit, who is this person? And it ended up being Lizzo. And I saw that like six months before her first album came out. And I thought she was badass. I still do. I am unapologetically a Lizzo fan. And not just of her music. I am a fan of everything about Lizzo. She is the perfect example of someone who brings themselves up without putting anyone else down. And that is not only hard to do, but that is so rare to do. I love her. Her new album, those first four songs on her new album are hot. Good music is out there, man. It is out there. Just this year, Kendrick Lamar, Harry Styles, Harry's House, the new Beyonce, and Lizzo, like I said, all incredible albums. And they all came out just this year. They all came out within like three months of each other. If you like Marvin Gaye or Al Green, listen to the Black Pumas. And that also works in reverse. If you like the Black Pumas, listen to Marvin Gaye, listen to Al Green. You like Led Zeppelin? Listen to Greta Van Fleet. They're literally the same band. There is so much more that I can talk about and so much more I want to talk about when it comes to music, but shit, man, I got to put an end to this somewhere. I got to get through this life. If I do another part to this whole music thing, the nine of you that are still listening to this are going to kill me. What I want to say for me personally is music is everything. It is my first love. It has been there for me when no one has. It has been there for me when everyone has. And I'm at that age where I don't really hate a lot of music anymore. There's just stuff that I don't really listen to. That being said, I always have a few hot takes on deck, particularly when it comes to music, as you just heard. But I'm going to save the other ones I have for an episode in the bullpen coming in the next few weeks to celebrate the end of Hot Take Summer. So be on the lookout for that. I have a special place in my heart for every genre that I've listened to and grown to love. And it's still the number one way that I learn about people. You can truly learn so much about someone from the music that they like, from the playlists that they give you. And the one last heartfelt piece of advice that I have that you didn't ask for is never rule out anything. There's no reason you can't listen to a different type of music other than the fact that you don't. I want to get to a few music-related questions that have been sent in to me over the last couple of weeks before I turn y'all loose. The first one is a very broad question. It's what are my favorites of a bunch of different things? So I want to do a lightning round of 
what my different favorites of different kind of music things are. So we'll start with my favorite band, which is Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd is a very emotional band for me. My mom loved them. They were around a lot when I was a kid. She used to sing Pink Floyd to me. They Not only are they all great musicians, but a lot of stuff just that they do takes me to an amazing place. And this is before drugs, by the way. I would listen to Pink Floyd growing up before I ever touched any kind of drug. I know that they're definitely a psychedelic drug type band and that's all well and good but i loved pink floyd before i ever did any of that now after i did drugs holy shit did i understand them a whole lot more but it's not just their musicianship i think when it comes to a lot of favorite things particularly favorite bands and favorite albums it's it's an emotional thing for sure and pink floyd has a lot of songs that take me to a lot of different places my favorite album goes hand in hand with that pink floyd's the wall not only is it a huge achievement as far as storytelling goes and a bunch of songs just kind of give this overall narrative but boy are there some depressing shits in there i'm not telling you that it's the best album in the world it's good like it's considered one of the best but it is my personal favorite there's a difference between what i think is the best and what my favorite is my favorite album is the wall i've easily listened to that more than any other album it's one of those ones that i don't often put on in front of other people very very personal to me i love it my favorite guitarist is Stevie Ray Vaughan. Texas Blues, man. That dude was badass when he was playing in, uh, you know, Austin bars when he was coming up. He would play two or three different sets a night and he would have calluses on his fingers that would fall off. He played so much and then he would super glue them back onto his fingers so he could keep playing. That is a badass motherfucker right there. My favorite frontman, gotta be Freddie Mercury. I love Freddie Mercury so much. I want to give a huge shout out to Mick Jagger, of course, from the Rolling Stones. I didn't talk about him much, but I love the Rolling Stones. They kind of came uh, came up for me personally a little bit later. They're, I think, more recent, but man, have I gotten into them so much. Mick Jagger is one of the great frontmen of all time. Obviously, Steven Tyler I love very much, but I gotta give it to Freddie, man. That dude could work a crowd better than anyone in the world. My favorite drummer... Ooh, my favorite drummer is Keith Moon. I love Keith Moon from The Who. That man is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s i mean he's not anymore he's very very dead but the dude jumped into a pool that didn't have water in it i <laughs> wow uh i want to give a shout out though to neil peart who also loved keith moon keith moon and buddy rich were neil's favorite drummers neil peart from rush he is awesome he one of my favorite youtube videos that i love to watch that relaxes the shit out of me is they have this like 12 minute video of neil's drum tech who is the most dad bods of dad bod he's like the final boss of dad bods he puts together neil's drum kit and it is interesting and it is relaxing and it is incredible all the shit that is part of Neil's drums. Neil has that great, he has this face. 
Neil Peart's got this, it doesn't matter how hard he's playing drums, what kind of solo he's doing. Neil's got this face where he always looks like he has to go to the John. And I don't mean like he has to go to the bathroom. Like, I mean specifically like he has to go to the John. My favorite singer, like I said, probably Freddie Mercury for for men. For women, gotta be a tie. So I love Alison Krauss. Alison Krauss has the voice of an angel. She would be tied with the immeasurable, legendary Billie Holiday. I love Billie Holiday so much. Uh, movie soundtrack, which I was asked about. I'm gonna go with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is phenomenal when it comes to soundtracks t-bone burnett who is a fantastic music producer oversaw the whole thing and allison krauss and her band union station was on there jerry douglas was on there uh amy lou harris was on there it's just this old-timey old-fashioned stuff man of constant sorrow is one of my favorite songs so my list my most listened to songs of 2021 which I was I was also asked about. So this is in order the five most listened to songs for me last year on Spotify. Number one is Super Bass by Nicki Minaj. No kidding. Number two is Last Caress by The Misfits. Number three is What I Miss from the Hamilton soundtrack. Number four is Dope by BTS, who I love. And then number five is Nine to Five by Dolly Parton, because of course it is. Let's get to the best and worst of the week, which is also music related because we're finishing this whole thing with a bang. The best of the week, you guys, is the MTV Video Music Awards. I gotta hand it to them, man. MTV is really sticking to their guns with the whole Video Music Awards thing. Are they overstaying their welcome and their relevance? Eh, maybe, but it's another excuse to get a bunch of famous people together and shove their heads further up their own asses, and for some reason I can't explain, I kind of respect that. The worst of the week, which was also at the MTV Awards, were the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, not the band themselves. Chili Peppers actually also had a really, really great album this year. I am shocked at how good the Chili Peppers album is for how... I, I hate to say late in their career. They got a lot of years left, but their last couple weren't very good. But John Frusciante came back as their guitarist, and this last one was pretty damn good. They, The Chili Peppers at the VMAs, they received the Old But Still Relevant Award, which I don't even know what it's called, but they're old, but they're still relevant. And this is yet another thing that happened that makes me feel old. Their singer, Anthony Kiedis, performed, they did a song or two, he performed with a shirt on. I didn't even know he was legally allowed to do that. I don't even think I've ever actually seen him with a shirt on before. I didn't like it at all. So that's the worst of the week. And here we are. You guys, we made it. We made it to the end. I want to say thank you guys for listening and thank you for the support please follow me on Instagram. I'm looking for more followers. I just posted my first reel today, which makes me feel not very youthful because it wasn't that great. But you know, we're, we're a work in progress. We're learning. We're going to get there at Atomic Skull Podcast. I appreciate everybody posting on the socials. That means everything. 
Tell your friends. Don't just post on the socials, man. Talk to your friends. Invite them to listen. Have them talk to me. And it's an excuse to talk to people. That's never a bad thing. It's a good excuse to reach out to somebody. Yo, you like music? You like pop culture? You like dick jokes? You like Jeffrey Epstein references? Listen to this podcast. I do have something very special coming next week for you guys. I don't want to give too much of it away. All I'm going to say is, one, I'm going to maybe not talk about music at all, if if minimally, but you know, probably not at all. I think I've gotten it all out of my system. But what I'm going to say is I cannot be held responsible for what happens next week. That is your only little tease. So be afraid. Now, the question that I have been asked the most since this whole music thing has started over the last couple of weeks by far you fucking sadists, is what songs make me depressed. You guys, a lot of songs make me depressed. You cannot imagine. That feeling of sadness can be really addictive. And if you don't watch it like any other addiction, it can kill you. A few notables that really put my happiness right into the fucking pavement that I'll tell you guys. Uh, No surprises by Radiohead, I Hope I Don't Fall in Love With You by Tom Waits, Get Hurt by The Gaslight Anthem, Mr. Cellophane from Chicago, specifically John C. Riley, who I cannot believe he has that kind of pipes, Winter in My Heart by the Avet Brothers, Cancer by My Chemical Romance, and finally, my song of the week. And it is my favorite Sinatra song, It is one for my baby and one more for the road. I am going to be posting the live version of it on the playlist, Atomic Skull Songs of the Week. It is the live album Sinatra at the Sands with Count Basie and his orchestra. I feel like this particular song, this live version of this song off the album, captures the mood and the tood of Frank so perfectly not only can you like hear literally hear the rocks glasses clanking but you can almost smell the cigarette smoke permeating through the room while he sings maybe the single loneliest song ever put down on a record listen to it and enjoy the sulking i know i will Thanks, you guys, so much. Once again, I will see you next week. I hope that you can feel the love that you're sending me coming back to you in these episodes. How are you doing?